0: Numbers chapter 21. If I were to give this chapter a title, it would be the winding road of God's faithfulness. Because I'm going to tell you something, this chapter is like a roller coaster. They're going to go up high, they're going to hit a crazy low, and then they're going to end up back high again. Isn't that like life? I mean, I heard someone say one time, if you could subscribe or if you could describe life in one one word, what would it be? And that was life is Interesting. <laughs> and that is true. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, like, share and subscribe. If you're doing this podcast thing, man, I'm so thankful for you. I love my podcast, Brothers and Sisters in Christ. Make sure that you are sharing this with other people, letting other people know that we're creating a community here that is surrounded by reading God's word together. Isn't that amazing? There's so many reasons why people gather. What does it look like for us, man, to gather around reading God's word one chapter at a time, just growing in God's faithfulness? And so I would love for you to go to our Facebook group at, you can type in Bible Breakdown Discussion, and let me know how you are engaging with this text, because man, the more we dig, the more we find. And that is one right here. I will go ahead and tell you, we are not even going to barely... Scratch the surface of what's going on. There is some deep theology that's happening in this chapter. When we get to it, I'll let you know what it is. And I would recommend for you to do some of your own research because we don't want this particular chapter to last about four hours long. But what's going to happen is, is the nation of Israel? Man, they're they're getting ready to go into the promised land. I mean, they are ready to go in just a few chapters. God is going to count them, number them again, that these are how many fighting men are ready to go. I mean, they are, they are on the edge, about to cross over the Jordan River, which was the the natural barrier between the desert area they're in and the promised land. You know, they're getting close to the area of Jericho, which in the book of Joshua is the first town that take over. So they're right there at the edge. So people are starting to notice, and they start to attack the Israelites. Well, the Israelites, you know, they kind of have this phrase, don't start nothing won't be nothing. You know what I mean? I always had that. So, but you going to start something, I'm going to finish something. And that's exactly what they start to do. So man, things are good. Things get really bad too. So let's, let's read this. And then we're going to dissect it a little bit. And we're going to see a Jesus pointing to himself in this chapter. Here we go. If you got your NLT Bibles open with me, got your cup of coffee ready. Let's jump into this. Numbers chapter 21, verse one. It says, the Canaanite king, Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching the road through Ephraim. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them prisoners. Then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Hormah. Hormah ever since. Now, pause. Why would God care about destroying these Canaanites? Well, one of the things that you actually see way back in the book of Genesis is God tells Abraham, There's going to be a season where I'm going to give grace, but there's going to be a time when the iniquity of the Canaanites will be filled to the brim. And you see that in the conquest with Joshua in the book of Joshua, but for 400 plus years, the Canaanites have been involved in all different kinds of things. And we know this from archaeology that a lot of very disgusting paganistic worship, a lot of animal sacrifice. Molech was one of the gods they would worship. And what they would do is they would create a bull, um, like cow, a cast iron um, god image that had a hole in the middle of it that acted as an oven. They would heat that oven up and they would pass their children through the fire. And what that means is, is they would put their small children into this oven and cook them alive as an act of worship to their false god, Molech. And so all of these horrible things are happening and it's time for vengeance. God has given them time to turn over, but they are, he's no longer going to stand by and let all of these horrible things continue to happen. And so judgment has been cast upon these Canaanites and God's people are the ones that are going to enact it. So that's where they're saying, God, we know that you're tired of all this paganistic worship. So if you will be with us, we will stop them from doing that. And God's like, Yes, let's do it. So they do that, but then watch what happens. The Bible says in verse four, the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. They began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing here to eat. There's nothing to eat here or drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So pause. Once again, they're angry because they're getting free food. Now think about that. But after 39 years of getting free food, they're tired of it. I'm tired of eating donuts all day. I want something else. So they're tired of it. They're getting frustrated. Verse 6 says, So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people probably asps, A-S-P-S, very poisonous snakes. They sent these snakes and many were bitten and died. Now, if they were, these Middle Eastern asps, you could die. That word is so funny to say. uh, You could die within, I think it's two to four hours of being bitten. They're extremely poisonous snakes. And the people uh, came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Uh yeah, you have. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So look what actually happens. So Moses prayed to the people, and the Lord told him, "Make a replica, make a um an image, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it." So Moses made a snake out of the bronze, out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now pause. There's a lot of deep theology that's happening here. I want you to notice something, though, as well. Notice when we said yesterday that God told Moses to speak to that rock, and I will do something miraculous. In this situation, he was saying, tell them to look at this snake, and I will do something miraculous. God was always interested in showing himself to his people. I want to show you something miraculous so that I can increase your faith so you can trust in me. Well, yesterday, God didn't, Moses didn't do so well. <laughs> Today, he had learned his lesson. Okay, God, I got no idea how making a, a sculpture of a snake out of bronze, putting it on a pole will do any good, but it's your show, and it did. Now, what's amazing is, is Jesus identifies with this scenario. Jesus actually says in the Gospels, he says, just as the snake was lifted on a pole, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Now, for those who knew their Jewish history, they knew that that snake healed the nation. And so what Jesus was saying is, just as the snake is lifted on a pole, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. And all who, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. What he was saying is, is that just like the snake, if you look to me, you put your trust in me. I will heal the nation. So there's a lot of deep theology going on here. But the main thing is, as Jesus says, just like that, looking at that snake, there was a miracle in what God was doing through that snake. He was saying, there's a miracle in what I am going to do. So look at me and I will save all of you. So it's kind of interesting. But in the moment, back 4,000 years before that, when this is happening in the moment, it's a bad day. So the Canaanites have come and attacked them, and then it took over. But then as they leave, they start getting impatient, and now it is a downward spiral for the nation of Israel. But things start to change in verse 10. The Bible says, The Israelites traveled next to Oboth and camped there. Then they went on to Liberium in the wilderness of the eastern border of Moab. From there they traveled to the valley of Zered Brook and set up camp. Then they moved out and camped on the far side of the Arnon River in the wilderness adjacent to the territory of the Amorites. The Arnon is the boundary line between the Moabites and the Amorites. For this reason, the Book of the Wars of the Lord speaks of the town of Wabah in the area of Sufah, in the ravines of the Arnon River and the ravines that extend as far as the settlement of Ar and the border of Moab. For there the Israelites traveled to Beer, which is well there, which, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, "Assemble the people, and I will give them water." There the Israelites sang this song: "Spring up, O well, yes, sing its praises; sing of this well which princes dug, which great leaders hollowed out with their serp- scepters and staffs." Then the Israelites left the wilderness and proceeded through Matana, Nahalel, and Bamoth. After that, they went to the valley of Moab or Pisgah Peak overlooks the wasteland. So once again, you see them inching ever closer to the area where they're going to cross over the Jordan River. Now, let's finish up this chapter. The Bible says the Israelites sent ambassadors to King Sihon of the Amorites with this message. Let us travel through your land. We will be careful not to go through your fields and vineyards. We won't even drink water from your wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territories. So if you remember, just like yesterday, he said they said the same thing to Edom. Look, we don't want nothing from you. We don't want no trouble. We're headed to the promised land. Just let us pass through in peace. But just like yesterday, King Sihon refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in the battle at Jehaz. But the Israelites slaughtered them with their swords and occupied their land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River. There they went, well, they went as far as the Amorite border because the boundary of the Amorites was fortified. So Israel captured all the towns of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon had been the capital of King Sihon of the Amorites. He had defeated the former Moabite king and seized all their land as far as the Arnon River. Therefore, the ancient poets wrote about him. Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Sihon be restored. A fire flamed forth from Heshbon, a blaze from the city of Sihon. It burned the city of Ar in Moab. It destroyed the rulers of the Arnon Heights. What sorrow awaits you, O people of Moab? You are finished, O oh worshipers of Chemosh. Chemosh has left his sons and refugees, as refugees, and his daughters as captive of Sihon, the Amorite king. We have utterly destroyed them from Heshbon to Dibon. We have completely wiped them out as far away as Nepha of Madiba. So the people of Israel occupied the territory of the Amorites. After Moses sent men to explore the Jezar area, they captured all the towns in the region and drove out the Amorites who lived there. Then they turned and marched up the road to Bashan, but King Og of Bashan, and all his people attacked them at Edri. The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I am handing him over to you, along with all of his people and his land. Do the same to him as you did to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. And Israel killed King Og, his sons, all of his subjects, not a single survivor remained, and then Israel occupied their land. So we can finish that chapter saying, hey, hey buddy, don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. <laughs> but if you start something, my God's going to help me finish something. And so here's the question of the day. And that is, if the overall book of Numbers is a nation learning to trust in God, how can we learn to trust in God in this chapter? Well, let me give you two. Number one is Jesus said, just as the serpent was lifted in the wilderness, so the son of man will be lifted. And if he be lifted up, all men will be drawn unto him. So how do we learn to trust in God? We look to Jesus. If we need healing in our life, if our nation needs healing, we look to Jesus. I think that'd be a great lesson for us as a nation. If we could rally around the essentials, which is Jesus, we could find healing in our land. Here's another one. And that is this. If you notice the roller coaster they were on. They got attacked by the Canaanites. They defeated the Canaanites. Then they started on the road headed toward you know, the promised land or headed closer. Then they get bit by snakes. Then they, God heals them. Then they get attacked again. <laughs> so there's this constantly going on. But here's the thing. God never turned his back on them. God is more faithful than we can imagine. God was no less faithful when they went through a bad season than he was when they went through a good season. God is always faithful. Whatever you're going through, whatever you do, don't stop going. The worst thing you can do when you're getting bit by a snake is just stop and die. Instead, if you get bit by a snake, turn to the Lord, and he will always bring you through. I hope you got something out of this chapter. Let me pray for us. God's been talking to us. Now let's talk to him, and then we're going to finish off with our promise, and we'll be done for today. Father, thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus and that you, Jesus, were lifted up. And because you were lifted up and you died on the cross and rose again, all of us can receive healing in every area that hurts us, but primarily the salvation of our sin. Thank you so much for loving us and that you are more faithful than we can imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget, God's word says, Numbers chapter six, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious and to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I love you. I will see you tomorrow for Numbers chapter twenty.